It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advanced B2B. Advanced B2B helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Adam Rogers, content marketer at Shopify, and we're talking about how SaaS marketing teams can scale up content marketing. Now, before working at Shopify, Adam was a content marketing team of one at Kayako, where he was competing with the likes of Intercom, Zendesk, and Help Scout. So Adam shares his stories and advice of how you can build an efficient and effective content marketing unit that will let you take on big players in your space. In addition, Adam talks about understanding the why behind your content, why you should focus on longer form evergreen content, and how you can be savvy with resources to scale up production of these time-consuming content pieces. Adam also shares some tips on ensuring quality when scaling, how to manage agency and freelance partners, and why you should never go for the cheapest option, along with other important things to consider regarding the management of content marketing. So all this and more here on episode number 51 of the Growth Hub podcast with Adam Rogers, content marketer at Shopify. Welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Adam Rogers to the show who works in content marketing at Shopify. So Adam, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited for today's episode as we're talking about how to scale up your content marketing, which I think is a challenge all SaaS marketing teams face. But before we go into growing an audience, uh, how to build your blog, how to scale your content, it's essential to know why you're creating content in the first place. And this comes back to strategy. And I think you've referred to this as the why of content. So how do you actually figure out the why behind your content marketing? So for me, or what I recommend is understanding the goals behind the business, or at least the marketing team, uh, depending on the size of the company. So you want to get those KPIs drawn up. So typically in a SaaS business, that's leads, perhaps traffic, maybe even like content downloads, if that's part of like your inbound or content marketing strategy. Um, and once you've done that, you want to get that from, get a thum- thumbs up from whoever you're reporting to um, and get them like in agreement, get them aligned with your view of content marketing. And the reason for that is it will save a lot of questions down the road because content marketers know that it's um, like a slow burning fire, so to speak. Compared to like other channels like social, where you kind of see everything hit its peak within like a few hours or perhaps like a day or two days at the most um, of the ceiling of like potential reach. Whereas content marketing, it takes much longer. I'd say like perhaps 18 months, maybe a couple of years. So you just kind of need to get whoever you're reporting to or like any kind of leadership team on board with that view. I think times have changed a bit now, like people understand this part of content marketing that it is that slow burn compared to um, perhaps maybe five or so years ago, people wanting to see instant results quickly. So yeah, I would alignment with 
whoever your marketing leader is, is absolutely essential. Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely relate to those situations when people expect you to make magic immediately with content or why aren't you ranking on Google like the day after publishing an article? And, and for sure, content is a slow game. And I know yourself, you're a big fan of longer form, in-depth and evergreen content. So, so why is that? So I think they have many benefits. And one of them is uh, just a quick example of where I'm at right now, which is Shopify on the content marketing team there is recently uh, at the time of this recording we announced shopify email and which is in beta mode right now um or beta depending on where you're coming from or listening from and we have a email marketing guide it's like a full in-depth kind of 101 style introduction to marketing so once shopify email gets out of that beta or beta mode uh, that's going to be there for our merchants to like instantly know how to run their first email campaign what to look for and measure and i think in terms of like merchant success or customer success if you're SaaS, um they provide a lot of value beyond typical things that you aim for like ranking in search um i'd say from like a uh acquisition point of view rather than like that customer success long form has always ranked well um in organic uh, search so i think personally like you should aim to rank well in in a SaaS business it's still primarily like the strongest acquisition channel for traffic for a blog depending if google will build build that walled garden everyone in like the search industry is kind of alluding to and warning about that this will eventually happen right now we haven't hit the saturation point uh, of search in some businesses, I think SaaS is a crowded market, so there will always be a lot of competition. Um, and yeah, I would, despite long form ranking well, um, I think now in 2020, that's not always been the case. Sometimes you'll see an outlier of just like a short, like 12 examples of X that is ranking really well versus your long form guide that took you, I don't know, say like, uh, eight weeks from like penning to production to promotion, um, which, which I understand. Like you have to have that search intent aligned with what you're um, producing. So like you can get clues of what that is. So typically you've been told to like write these huge giant long form articles targeting those short tail keywords. They get like thousands of, of hits, but within those keywords, you can like distinguish your certain angle so there's a lot of questions around like how to what why um and i think if you pull those out of the long tail uh, search terms that are kind of parented within that short tail then you you're going to be able to create an article that definitely serves your reader and serves the search engine it's a fine line to walk it's, it's also just not about creating something long like i i think an example perhaps like someone who does this that I don't always agree with is Brian Dean. Yes, he writes like very simplistic, easy to understand search driven based articles, but um, it's more than that. It's like, how can you give the, the content you're creating a competitive edge? So like, can you use unique data from your business? Are there any points of view from leaders in your company? Like that you can quote customer stories or examples. And uh, when I wrote that, 
uh, guest post for Advanced B2B um, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago tops. Um, I, I shared the example of like a customer service training guide and very similar to the example I was talking about earlier of like that Shopify email marketing guide. But with this Kayako customer service guide, I interviewed all the managers within uh, Kayako as well as our customer support leader at the time. And I was sharing like, not just quotes from them, like advising uh, new customer service managers how to go about um, certain elements that are important in customer service training. But also like I used that insight to become a knowledge expert, um, which allowed me to actually relate to my audience a lot better than if I had not done any research at all. Yeah, totally. And I think a search first content strategy for SaaS makes sense. And I know advanced B2B, a lot of content is created search first. And I know the team have seen good results with that. So I think, you know, I'm also a big fan of, of longer form content, but creating these resources, it's hugely time consuming because they, they are so large, as you mentioned. So how do you actually scale up production of these kinds of articles or reports? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first, before jumping into creation, I want to reiterate that answer that ties into your first question. And that was like, make sure the why is aligned with the goals you're trying to achieve. Like there's a lot of vanity metrics in content marketing. And I think you see businesses fall foul of this approach that they get drawn in by potential reach over value towards like current or potential audience. And once you go down that route, you've already lost, like you've lost time, money and effort in creating something that doesn't really bring the business value. So that's why I really recommend kind of drawing that map of your KPIs um, around what your goals with this campaign or perhaps a wider team should be and really like get those ingrained. Otherwise, that's where you'll be wasting a lot of time. In terms of the actual how, um, I would recommend like a project management approach. Um, so if you're a team of one or like maybe two, hopefully you've got the budget for freelancers because otherwise it's going to be very, very difficult. Or at least you've got the internal staff that can help you out. Um, and it's a very basic approach to project management, but like you need to like draw up a scope of the roles and who's owning what. And if you're a team of one, likelihood is you're going to hire yourself for one role, whether that is like hiring yourself to be the writer, the editor, um, even like uploading it to the website, something like that. But you're, you're also going to need some visual de design elements. You're also going to need some promotional elements and distribution tactics. And when I was talking about that example from Kayaka about customer service training, I was essentially like, I had to hire myself for all of those roles except design and uh, uploading to our CMS. Uh, luckily we had a visual designer that was um, a great help in doing that. So I think like a project management approach is absolutely vital and just understanding uh, where you fit in because otherwise with like huge pieces like that, um, you can like fall into that age old saying of like, you can't see the forest because the trees like plotting it out quite simply like that allows you to be able to take that step back or at least once removed and understand where your role ends and where you hand it off. 
Yeah, and like you just mentioned, I mean, you were the content team at Kayako. And so as a content team of one, you were competing with the likes of Help Scout, Intercom, and Zendesk. So how did you actually keep up with these giants and, and what else did you do to, to scale up your content production? Yeah, so yeah, just for like context around those other businesses for listeners, um, Intercom at the time had just like announced their 120 million funding. They were like plowing money into their content marketing. They had like um, John Collins, our ex-journalist, uh, leading the charge. They had like writers within the business. Um, they had anyone within the business like contributing to that culture of growth so like the production end of what they were producing was like incredibly like almost impossible for me to compete with so it's like understanding the limitations and my budget versus them it's like you know and i think this applies to many other businesses as well is you just you have to have an idea of like where your competitors stand in the market the size of their company the valuation because there is like a competitiveness like at least within me and i expect others like i want to produce the best i can um and even if that does mean like the david and goliath kind of example but yeah at the same time you have to like hold your hands up and realize like where you can and can't compete and on the flip side um Help Scout, ironically, I now work with, uh, well, uh, Gregory Ciotti is now my lead at Shopify. So <laughs> before before I joined Shopify, we were like going head to head on content marketing. Um, uh, Help Scout have like traditionally always produced excellent content marketing um, and always excellent advice. And, and they still do it now. It's like a, a culture they've built. Um, Zendesk and Freshdesk were have a couple of competitors in the space and fortunately um, for some reason they really weren't targeting search terms um, and they weren't trying to go for the same keywords we were it's like really the only competitor in the space was was Help Scout um, around that so I got I got very lucky um, in terms of the keywords I could target and the confidence I could rank for but it, it this uh, ties back into the answer I was giving like um, just a minute ago around like what can you give in your content that makes it a competitive edge so at the time we had just released some new live chat software um, and I was diving into like that area and I just made a pure focus to write about that for six months so almost like it was slightly nauseating that you hear uh, in political campaigns where they just repeat the same message over and over and over again but um that slightly less reach in marketing for a SaaS company than there is political campaigns um i say that ironically there's a lot less um, <laughs> there's there, there's no reason you shouldn't be repeating the same kind of values or uh, points of view over and over again and i i say that because the way people consume uh information on SaaS blogs is is it's all based around like informational search we like rarely do we log on to this, the same website or like publication anymore to read every single blog post they produce like week in week out perhaps we were doing that 2012 and before i know i was i had like my favorite blogs my favorite readers but 
nowadays there's like so much saturation in the market that um although it feels like you're repeating the same thing over and over again or the same message the same values it's absolutely fine to do that because the way people acquire information now is based on information informational searches so it's you know they're plugging in those like how to why what into google um to get the answer they're looking for and once they get that answer they'll go back to google or go back to their problem and then they perhaps might stumble across you again in like three four months um and it's we we've kind of taught this um production engine perhaps it's like the way wordpress or online publications and media introduced this chronological order of rolling out content but yeah no one consumes content that way rarely do rarely does anyone like go directly to like shopify.com blog to see the latest article and i think that's a realistic approach rather than pessimistic people would like perhaps if they trust shopify they would plug in like shopify then the problem they're searching so like hopefully they're looking for our advice on a particular e-commerce problem um and i i would really recommend content marketers in smaller SaaS companies to just go for that approach of just find a way to make their content competitive. So in Kayako, I was definitely trying to talk about live chat software and I was trying to highlight why ours was better or like the issues with like um, the other tools in the market without um, without like kind of tearing them down because I, I think that's a bad way to approach your marketing but more around like understanding the problems uh, folks were suffering with while using those tools and highlight how our tool did not do that or did or allowed them to avoid those issues. Yeah, this is super good. And I think it's so interesting to hear how you manage that situation. And it really forces you as a, as a content marketer to be smart, to think about the strategy and figure out your angle, like how can you compete with these giants? And I think another interesting thing you touched upon was this thinking between content as a publication versus content as a library. We had Sonia Jacob on a few episodes ago and she was talking about this same thing. Like we kind of default to this publication thinking with content from the old days when you think of publishing a blog in this date ordered format, whereas now people are just searching for a solution to their problem and you need to make sure that your content appears uh, when they're looking for that. So yeah, I think a lot of very interesting and good points here and also to hear about your adversary uh, from Help Scout is now your teammate. So, uh, so a pretty funny story there. And one thing I'd love to ask when you're at Kayako, did you actually work with agencies, partners, and freelancers as a way to scale up? Yeah. Um, and I would encourage many people to do this if they've got the budget. Um, freelance writers or good freelance writers aren't a commodity anymore. Um, and I'm always a fan of paying them what they're worth uh, because they bring such value. There's, and it goes way beyond like just the monthly costs like just paying someone what what they're worth in my experience like brings a lot of value um like trust effort going the extra mile um yeah I, we we still work with freelancers now at shopify including an agency um but at kayako that our budget was a lot smaller so it was me as a content manager and i had three writers i worked with 
that I really trusted and loved working with. And um, yeah, I, I, I go out of my way to recommend them to anyone that is looking for a freelance writer. And I think there's also an element of, yes, there's an onboarding time with bringing a freelancer or an agency in to help you out. And I think you can arm your writers that you bring in with, to allow them to be knowledge experts. So like, you have to give them the tools of the trade and you have to like onboard them. So rather than like scatter their focus around like blog topics, if you want them to write like an expert, um, just using Kayako as an example again. And when we had that focus on live chat software, I shared with them like a quick one pager cheat sheet of like the uh, advantages of our product compared to competitors in the market, our points of view, our values, and also just like some help docs. So they got to see like visuals of how the, um, the software worked. And also I was able to work with um, our UX writer. Well, she was like all things UX to documentation to like help articles. Like she, she oh, Kelly O'Brien now works at Intercom. Ironically, everyone's moved <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Yeah, she was excellent at creating um, fictional customer stories to demonstrate um, the, the advantages of software. Or our software, at least uh, back at Kayako. Um, and once I saw these on the help article, it's like, oh, this is like perfect. Is it like, this is completely the storytelling element that you need around your product to convey the value it has. Because you're not, you're not just like simply telling someone that the product does this. You're like showing them, you're showing them in visuals, you're like, uh, showing them through the pain points this uh, fictional customer is having. Um, and then you're allowing um, the reader to like be guided through the explanation of that pain point to solution and how our software did that. And I think that's what gave us a competitive advantage in our content as well. Yeah, that's cool to hear. And I think one thing I've learned with content marketing is that you always get what you pay for. I think no matter how cheap something may appear to be, there's always a cost involved there. So yeah, I think definitely some very good advice to hear, to hear from you on that. And I think quantity of content is one thing, but quality is another. And you spoke earlier about how you're really focused on putting the best quality content out there. So how do you ensure consistency of quality when scaling? Yeah, so first of all, I think just kind of tying into what you're saying there, it's like, um, that quality versus quantity is like know your personal limit where um, as soon as you start trying to ramp up the quality drops um, it is a challenge so at Kayako I was adamant about publishing once a week uh, which may, may sound very small compared to like many other publications or blogs um, and I, I stuck by that because I knew despite working with three writers that I could publish like at least twice a week. Um, if I invested that time in making like one piece incredible, like every week or consistently, um, yeah, co like at least, yeah, consistent, then that was enough. And I think that's one thing content marketers should try to aim for okay yes i will i i will also say there was a couple of times where we would roll out two blog posts a month at uh, not two blog posts a month two blog posts a week but they were rare occasions i would say 
most of the time we were looking at um, just rolling out something um, weekly and scaling is very tough. So if you're scaling, ideally you're bringing on someone. Like if that is an agency to help you out or an internal hire, um, you should not scale straight away. You should like slowly introduce a new way of doing things um, to make sure that you can do it and that the person you're bringing in can also keep up. Because um, also you're going to you lose that quality or that edge that you would previously produce if you throw them in the deep end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in a small team, you're also not just writing content, but you're doing a lot of other stuff as well. So you're, you're setting goals, you're managing all the partners like we just spoke about, you're uh, reaching out to loads of people to try and get backlinks, you're reporting on performance. So there's all these administrative and management side of things you need to think about as well. So what are the important things for content marketers to consider regarding the actual management side of content? Yeah, so I, I think this goes back into that project app management element I was talking about earlier. Um, is to be able to like separate your role into creator, editor, or like whatever job you hire yourself to do within a project or an ongoing project. Um, and the overall campaign that you're doing and the goals you're trying to achieve. And it's very difficult to get lost in one or the other. Um, for me, fortunately, project management is a, is a skill of mine. I'm a much better editor and content manager traditionally in terms of like, um, when I say that, I mean like that old editor in chief role that rarely did any writing in a, in a paper, but um, could read a story and just like tell a writer like this section needs expanding like or remove this or like just kill the piece whatsoever. That's, that's kind of my strengths versus like the actual creation from scratch. So for me, at least, I was pulling all this documentation to allow writers to be armed with the best knowledge they could. Um, and everything from like picking the keyword that they should write about, the points of view, our argument, our angle. Um, at some point, I felt guilty that it was very prescriptive. Um, almost like I wasn't giving enough creative freedom. But at the same time, I realized that uh, creativity also works within confines. So a good example is you can tell a painter to paint anything they want, but then if you actually give them an easel and a, like six colors and then say, paint anything you want, it's much easier for them to come up with something versus like this absolutely huge blank slate um, in comparison to like something small and manageable so I, I like to think that the freelance writers enjoyed working with me um, based on that approach but uh, perhaps they just enjoyed my introductions to new clients <laughs> um, but yeah uh, I also really enjoyed the pr promotional approach as well so everything from like uh, managing our freelancers like I enjoy those human relationships uh, of the content management side. Um, also, we were working with um, an SEO freelancer at the same time. So we were armed with a lot of um, skill to like take advantage of uh, the gap that our competitors weren't filling. And I think that also plays a lot into it is like, don't just hire help for the sake of help to like manage that content production process, but hire the help where 
it's a nice fit for like where your skills aren't are there and also that allows you to compete more aggressively um against your competitors yeah exactly and i think you know if we fast forward to today you are now at shopify which is pretty big i would say compared to kayako so what are some of the differences and challenges you found in scaling up content at a company like shopify yeah so i i currently have a very similar role to what i had at kayako um i manage one day a week i manage a couple of freelance writers um we actually work with an agency as well uh on the retail side so i think even as a, a bigger business i mean technically shopify is probably classed as a corporation now um yeah i don't think there there is a time where you can't work with freelancers or agencies i think there's always value they can bring in um, and patch a few skills that you're you're missing so right now it's um a, like an issue of you know like shopify has so much domain authority and i was kind of uh pointing to, to this earlier around like you shouldn't just pick a keyword and, and write about it and hope to rank it's like we can literally like pick any keyword we want and rank for it so it's um it's about understanding the goals that you're trying to achieve with your content and i think that's probably where the friction lies in a bigger company is you know supporting the business and a business the size of shopify like i i mentioned earlier that shopify email is coming out and you think about that like as a product in in shopify uh but actually like when i take a step back that's like a whole startup like Shopify is essentially like releasing a startup within it, like an email marketing platform. And we do that. We do this so often. We like ship so many products or new products a year that we think of, of like service lines um, as an extension to the Shopify product, it, like outside of e-commerce software, which it kind of built its roots in. Um, so I think like scaling up content at, the, at a company this size is, is a challenge because um, it's very difficult to become a knowledge expert in all these different product lines or like mini startups we have within Shopify. Um, so it's just navigating that challenge of getting the right knowledge, producing the right amount of content and also supporting the business in the right way. That's where the friction lies now um so scaling up from there i'm not sure what it looks like perhaps we have like a content marketing manager for each product line so like you know like perhaps we do hire someone to support just shopify email like a managing editor or perhaps we do like support a managing editor for like shopify capital or like you know shopify core like as the products like the e-commerce software um you know, we've got like re we've got a retail content marketing manager, which is like our point of sale um, piece of software and kit. So, yeah, that's where scaling up a content this size uh, lies. It's, you know, just a challenge to keep up with the pace that it grows at. Yeah, I can imagine. And when it comes to content marketing at Shopify, what is actually working for you right now? And what are the things that you're focusing on? So me personally, Shopify is like been around for a long time 
2005, I think it was founded, or 2006. And even from then, uh, the business didn't start producing content marketing about until about, I think it was 2011, maybe 2010, like very late 2010. Um, so for us, it's just ensuring like we're going or we're going through that backlog of content and making sure that everything is up to our current editorial standards, like is the best it can be. Um, removing anything that doesn't work, updating anything that has potential, but like is kind of off in terms of the information it provides, whether that's like, you know, the screenshots or images of the product are like completely out of date um, or like the information just doesn't do what it, you know, tells you it can do like the product. Um, so that that's where my role focuses on. Uh, and definitely in growth as well. So like we experience like, uh, I've heard it called content decay, um, which is this concept where an article was ranking and suddenly it just slowly starts to drop um, in traffic. And generally that's because the article is, you know, the elements I was just talking about, about like slightly out of date or that search intent is off. So the way it was written two, three years ago isn't the way or the information that searchers are looking for now. So a lot of my work is around just keeping an eye on our top content in terms of the leads it drives for the business um, and how it ranks and gives us traffic um, in search. So it's very challenging with a, a blog the size of Shopify's. So I don't think there's a point that it's ever done because we're always shipping new content as well. But um, it's the challenge is deciding which content to update or prioritize in updating versus leaving. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I think before we head to our closing questions, do you have any other advice or tips on how content marketers and content marketing teams uh, should be scaling up their operations? Um, yeah. So if you're working 16 hour days, you should be looking for help. Um, you should do it wisely though um and i i feel like i'm just saying this as a nauseating comment now but yeah it's like really understanding your role and your your strengths and your weaknesses within the content team and hire for your weaknesses so if you're scaling a content team and hopefully your company's got longevity and you you feel loyal to it you love it and you see yourself as potentially a director of content one day um draw like roughly the the hierarchy of content marketing and the, the roles in it and it's like when you start out if you're a team of one your name is going to be under everything from like director of content to like writer to editor um to like outreach and promotion doing all those roles but you know like circle the ones you at least love doing day to day or you feel that your strengths and then look to hire for the ones that you feel weakest at or the ones that you um you you see as a as a challenge for yourself in terms of like actual interest in doing it or you just don't know how to do it or you think think there's there's a skill out there that could just replace yours instantly in that area and i think that's probably the most efficient way to hire um otherwise you'll um you'll find yourself 
hiring people like you um and then you just got like a bunch of writers and no managers or you've got a bunch of managers and no writers which isn't a good fit for anyone in the business <laughs> yeah absolutely i think this is super good advice so hire for your weaknesses because i think we're often told the advice like especially when you're growing up like you, know, you need to improve on your weaknesses but like on the flip side you should just figure out what they are and try to find someone else who can fill that gap while you yourself can just focus on what you're actually really good at. So I think super, super good advice. And I think this was amazing. There's like a load of really good things to take away from this episode. And now we could actually move on to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So to wrap things up, Adam, I will just ask you five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So you're ready. Yeah, go for it. All right. So first question, what's the one book you would recommend others to read? Making Users Awesome by Kathy Sierra. Um, it's a short read. It's mostly illustrations, but it's got so much value um, for everyone in the business, product marketers, content marketers, UX. It's all about the concept of um, making your customer feel like they have superpowers. Um, essentially, you, if you're selling a camera, um, you want to be able to take beautiful photography. You don't want to know how the frame rate, frame rate works unless you're a, an absolute expert. Yeah, love it. Second question, SaaS company you love and why? So I was going to say Ahrefs, but I feel like everyone's talking about them now. Um, the reason I loved them back in the day was they were doing like pure product content marketing and they did such a good job of just like understanding the problems in the market and just showing how their software solved that. And I think that is absolutely the perfect way to run a blog in the SaaS space. Um, right now, I'm a big fan of SparkToro. Cool. Yeah, I think Ahrefs is a great example of how you can blend content and product marketing to, to just do great marketing. So yeah, good advice there. Um, Next question, favorite place to read about marketing online? Uh, this one's a wild card. I don't actually read about marketing online. I mostly read psychology books. Um, I love behavior economics. So anything around like the interaction between um, purchase patterns and like why people buy what they buy or why people do what they do, that, that's absolutely my jam. Oh, I love it. Awesome. Definitely going to check that out after this. Uh, fourth question, most important growth metric for you? Leads or MQLs, whatever you call them in your business. Um, content marketing absolutely should bring business value um, and help you grow the business or at least on your goals. Um, I think page views or organic search sessions alone can be a vanity metric. So uh, yeah, you wanna be contributing leads to the business. Yeah, absolutely. And then fifth question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? So read often if you're a writer. I think like staying on top of your craft is good fun as well as like a challenge. Um, and I think read good books and bad books. Actually, there's a lot of business books out there that are just written so poorly. Um, and I'm not alone in discussing the fact that it feels like you missed the concept when you read it, but actually that's on the writer or the person that wrote the business uh, book. So um, don't take that to heart. And also just enjoy what you do. I think there's a lot of good jobs in SaaS content marketing. And if you find yourself begrudging like 
the product, what you're working on, the team. Perhaps it's time to ask yourself if you know it's the right fit for you. Um, SaaS companies are like everywhere these days, so getting another job isn't um, the challenge. And try and work for a company you love and a, a product you believe in, because it makes everything a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Adam, I have to say this was awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the Growth Hub podcast. Yeah, certainly. And thanks for having me. That was Adam Rogers on how SaaS marketing teams can scale up content marketing. Now, you can find Adam on Twitter at Adam Rogers UK. And as ever, if you have any thoughts or feedback, then you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency Advance B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are Biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different.